Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Destiny Geekhood. I'm Taylor. This is Amanda once again. Alright, so obviously in the honor of it being October and Halloween, we've got to do some creepy things. So tonight we're going to be discussing the ever-apex predator, the vampire. Oh gosh, guys. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love vampires. And there can be some absolutely fabulous depictions. And not just fan culture, but but pop culture and scientific and even religious texts as well. So... Why don't we actually start with a brief exploration of vampire history? Now, the vampire is one of those weird characters that has always kind of existed, going from really, really early depictions of Lilith and Persian texts to the Lamia and ancient Greek texts, where they're basically just something evil that's stealing fluid from people. Now, we get to this fantastic vampire panic in the 1500s in Eastern Europe, which actually spurred a lot of what we now know as vampire myth. So that's corpses coming back from the dead to feast upon the livings. And that's going on about 1500, really to 1600. 1600 to 1700, we start getting our more classic depiction of the vampire. And this is where we start getting in novels and such ideas of how to kill the vampire. Which, trust me, we're going to get way into that in just a minute. And we have figures like Elizabeth Bathroy who pops up around this time. And don't get me, don't worry, I will not forget Vlad the Impaler. So we have Elizabeth Bathroy that pops up as one of our main vampire figures for a while. Of course, playing second fiddle to Vlad. And then, boom, we get to the 18, 1800s and 1900s and we get Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that pretty much informs vampiric lore for the next, oh, I don't know, hundred or so years, really, until we get to the 1930s and 40s, where we get Nosferatu, again, a throwback to that Hungarian mythos, moving forward, then other depictions of Dracula, and then we have the newer stuff, like, you know, Twilight, and True Blood, and, you know, oh, I don't know, Interview with a Vampire, Gothica, Vampire Named Lassat, the whole Anne Rice mythos, and a bunch of other really, really cool vampire stories that come out from the newer generations. And what's amazing is that the vampire seems to be an ever-changing figure, figure, and that no matter what, they're always adapting and growing no matter what the time is. And they're pretty in vogue still, aren't they, Taylor? Definitely. I mean, it's like you said, we've always had this whole mythos going on, and a lot of it, the popular side of it really came with Dracula, you know, by Brom, the Irish author Bram Stoker, but we've gotten away from the basis of it to, you know, things with Buffy, Morph- Morpheus, I'm sorry, Morbius, from Spider-Man to the ever-so-popular Darkling Snakes. We don't even really want to talk about Twilight, but we kind of have to. So we'll go ahead and put it out there. We accept no Twilight here. We'll have no sparkling vampires in this conversation. Only true, serious apex predators. Exactly. I mean, you got to take the bad with the good, right? But in this case, I'd much rather stake the bad before I stake the good. All right. Well, I think, obviously, we, we've we kind of discussed the basis of it. A lot of what we know nowadays has come from Vlad the Impaler. And let me just tell you, Amanda has the biggest fanboy issue as far as Vlad the Impaler goes. <laughs> I mean, come on. You rule a whole land of Wallachia. You become known for your massive cruelty and sadism. Not to mention anyone that gains the moniker of the Impaler is probably someone to be feared and look up to. Now, 
a lot of his sadism was probably actually underreported, and it's likely that he probably stained the ground of Wallachia red pretty much for his entire brutal and bloody reign, thus giving him the name, the fearsome reputation, and he did tragically and very, very scarily drink the blood of his enemies. Yes, well, it's like you said, history is written by the winners, so Lord knows what he actually did. This is just what his friends said about him. So, we have all these fantastic vampire figures, so I figure that we should take some time to go ahead and air out our personal vampire favorites. So, one of the most interesting things about fandoms and fan universes is the issue of canon. And for those of you who are not familiar, is canon is what is law for that individual series, persona, mythos. Now, Fan canon can be really, really interesting because depending on where you're drawing your lore from can very much differ how you accept certain things. For instance, a lot of my vampire lore is incredibly informed by things like Elizabeth Bathory's story, like Dracula, and actually very much if I have to go newer vampire, I'd rather go Anne Rice over anything else which means that I do have occasionally a difficult time reconciling other vampire depictions like 40 Days of Night, where you have vampires more as these ghoulish, hobgoblin-esque creatures, where I'm a little bit more accustomed to the Victorian, if I may, lady killer vampire. See, and then you've got me. I'm not as sophisticated as Amanda is, and most of my vampire lore is going to come from things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel... Um, comic books, that kind of thing. Which definitely is by no means a bad place to start. I mean, if I had to be informed by that, Buffy is a great starting place, guys. So definitely don't be afraid of branching into vampire lore. But what gets amazing is that as vampire lore begins to change and evolve, you definitely see some depictions go in and out of style. So for instance, Anyone remember when vampire types were a big thing, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, where you had, like, the psychic vampire and the sanguine vampire, energy vamps, and all that kind of stuff? Am I the only one who remembers that? I mean, I remember a little bit of it, but when I mean a little bit, I'm talking like, I remember the chi vampire from Jackie Chan Adventures. But there was also um, a really cool PlayStation 1 game called Soul Reaver, where you played this vampire that was betrayed and killed. And since he doesn't have his bottom jaw, instead of feeding off of the blood of victims, he's actually a soul-sucking vampire. Oh, wow. And then, of course, we have the whole controversy that spawned with a few other series about things like blood pills and stuff. And here's where we start getting into trouble. Remember that word canon I brought up? When you each have different fans who have different lore with vampires, you start having problems with basic things that come up with any vampire series, like what can kill a vampire... What is a vampire's weakness? What are their abilities? Things like that. So, for instance, probably one of our favorite examples of that is, for any of you guys who don't know, we love Deadliest Warrior. It's probably one of our favorite shows, like, of all time. And they did a fantastically, interestingly horrible Vampires and Zombies episode. Their version of the vampire was very, very much unlike what most were used to, and when they tried to add quote-unquote science to it, it ended up pissing off a lot of, well, and by a lot of, I mean me, vampire fans who are more used to the kind of, I'll go ahead and say it, emotional, humanistic vampires. Yeah, um, which that's not an uncommon trope that we have in the vampire community. 
Um, I believe we discussed it earlier when we were kind of getting ready for the show. You know, especially from my point of view, you know, we've got the Apex Predator, but we've also got this vampire that really never wanted to be who he is, or he regrets who who he or she has become. And, like, for me, a good example is um, Angel from Buffy, you know, the vampire with a soul. With him, his whole thing was he hates who he's become, he hates his species, so he's going to help the Slayer. And for those of you who have never seen Buffy, the Slayer is a girl who is, once every generation, she's given these amazing powers to fight off vampires and demons. She's basically like the ultimate weapon against this. And so he decides he's going to throw what he's known for 200 years as a vampire aside and help this high school girl defeat the ultimate evil as far as vampires go. Absolutely. And then, of course, another great pop culture reference to that is um, Sting song A Moon Over Bourbon Street. I mean, the trope of a vampire who doesn't like being what he is is not so uncommon and not so unrealistic. So it does tend to be a little bit problematic when you do depict vampires as these purely crazed animalistic creatures when we've really been informed by Victorian lore for quite some time that the vampire is actually a rather sophisticated predator and one with a fair degree of intelligence and actually for humankind a great deal of apathy. We're effectively apples to them. Yeah, I mean, as far as that goes, you've got... You get different groups of vampires. You've got the vampires that are like, no, the Magneto vampires. Let's say that, for example. That's the best way I can describe it is they are above all other species. They are the new evolution. They are what the world's going to become. And we kind of see that in Blade. Yes. It was the second or third one where basically the vampires have taken over the world. Um, Which there was a really interesting movie that I can't remember the name of, but... It was this dystopian movie where vampires had taken over the world, but there's because they had turned so many humans into vampires, there were no blood. There's no blood left. Um, and then we get into other categories of you get the apathetic vampire, which, like I said, you get Angel from Angel and Buffy. You get Stefan Salvatore from The Vampire Diaries. You get oh, what's that bloke's name from Anne Rice? Um, Interview of the Vampire. You're thinking probably of Louis. Yeah, you know the ones that are like. This is who I am. Obviously, I have to do it to survive, but I don't want to be who I am. Right. And Louis, I have to say, is probably one of my favorite depictions of the vampire who could absolutely care less about being a vampire. So it's pretty interesting that we get these different sides. It's kind of like yin and yang. You've got the evil, I want to destroy the world, and then you've got the, holy crap, what have I done? Please forgive me, good side of the vampire. And then you get Lesat, who is really just interested in human stuff and clothes. Which is also another really, really interesting side to vampire lore, is the vampire who's just kind of here to enjoy the scenery, who loves watching time as it's changed, and really, really can admire human fashion. But it does start to become problematic, because here's a grand question. How in the world do you kill a vampire? Now, if you're like me, who is a classicalist, of course, staking is very, very common... You know, there are certain burial practices that you can do to ensure that the dead stay in the ground. That include nailing the dead to their coffin. Yeah, it's, it's, is it three or is it four nails in the coffin? I believe it's three to represent the Trinity. Okay, that makes sense. And then you've got other forms of it as, uh, the sun. The sun, you're dead. You're no longer, you're considered evil. You cannot enjoy the warmth and the light of the sun. You will instantly ignite on fire. Exactly. 
Or even if you have looser canons with that, that you do have some that if you've been a vampire long enough, eventually maybe you build up a tolerance to it. You have, of course, the varying effects of holy items. That there are some vampires who have walked into churches like this is no big deal. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you guys doing on sacred ground? You don't belong here. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that we've really gotten away from is this whole idea of, no, vampires are soulless, so therefore they can't go into a sacred place. They can't walk into a cathedral. They cannot go into um, a wedding. They cannot. Walk, they can't even go into a graveyard because graveyards considered sacred ground. Absolutely. And you never want a vampire to be touching the same earth that they were buried on. So we get a lot of really, really interesting... I don't want to say that they're misconceptions, because, again, everyone's lore is very, very different, but it's a little difficult to reconcile when you're a classicalist. Now, as we discuss vampires, we brought up a couple quote-unquote real-life vampires, and since we are still kind of in the vein of, seriously, fans, this is why we can't have nice things, I'm sorry, guys, but I have to bring up the vampire, the masquerade murder, so... For those of you unfamiliar, which I did have to educate a few people on this, forgive me for being a tiny bit of a hipster, Vampire the Masquerade was a pretty interesting role-playing game, very, very similar to Dungeons & Dragons, that basically allowed you and your friends to be vampires. Now, it was in the early 90s that a teen and a bunch of his friends, this teen of course being Rod Farrell, decided that he was going to actually live the game. And he basically took LARPing to a whole new extreme, went on a cross-country road trip, kidnapped his then-teen girlfriend, and killed her parents. All the while claiming that he was an immortal vampire and he was with his vampire posse. Now, while I don't think that every single vampire fan is like that, I know I'm not, and I'm sure most of you fair listeners aren't, we do have to keep in mind that much like the vampire is in various cultural depictions, the vampire now is a character that a lot of authors are still rather afraid to touch, just because it does carry, if I'm allowed the pun, a pretty decent amount of bad blood with it. Wow, only one tonight? We're doing pretty well. Don't worry, I'm pretty sure if you kept me going a little longer, a few more would pop up. Obviously, we don't condone this kind of thing, but at the same time, you know, there have actually been real scientific cases of basically vampirism. Yeah, and what's interesting is that nature creates a bunch of really, really weird vampires. For instance, there's actually a vampire moth. So yeah, moths will drink your blood. There's a few birds that will drink blood now. Pretty much anything that feels like actually will find vampirism rather interesting. And what's cool is, if you ever get into it, vampire symbolism is super interesting. Actually, it was because of the Victorian vampire that we started getting the vampire as a sex symbol, guys. And that's still going on nowadays. Now, we're not talking about the Edward Cullen vampire, but there's always been this issue with the vampire that they are undeniably attractive. Yeah, I mean, and we're talking, like, Bishionin super attractive, and that really stems from more of those Victorian depictions where the vampire became less a monster and more a count. I mean, to go from just a bloated, reanimated corpse flying around the countryside biting the heads off of people because they feel like, to a rather sophisticated guy with a pretty swanky house and pretty much all the things going for him... That's quite a leap, if I do say so myself. 
Exactly, and we see it all the time. We have Eric Northman from True Blood, who's this six foot four Norwegian vampire who's a thousand years old, absolutely beautiful. Damon Salvatore, who's the lean, dark haired bad boy of the Salvatore brothers. Uh, you had Angel and Spike and Buffy, but it's kind of cool because it it all goes back to Dracula because you know you don't have the term the Brides of Dracula for nothing. Yeah, and it was really really interesting how one guy's notes and stories collected from a few dozen accounts really began to inform vampire lore really up until today what makes that the most interesting though is how the vampire went from general fluid sucking creature which is actually usually female to something that was usually male and pretty damn charming yeah and it's it's really neat i mean i'm not the most sophisticated person as far as vampires go but Everything aside from, you know, the bad stuff, we you get this really interesting image of this guy who's trying to be an ordinary person, but, you know, women are flocked to him. And as far as you know, he's just the guy next door. Next thing you know, he's splitting your wrist open and drinking the supple sweetness of your blood. Yeah, I mean, good heavens. Think of, you know, anything interview with a vampire, really, and you have a lot of that. But I think what's the coolest thing about the vampire is how he kind of empowers its readers. I mean, think about it. You have a creature that's been informed by countless centuries, who's learned from all the mistakes of humanity, and is then taking that knowledge and becoming really the apex predator of humans. You really can't ask for a better villain, anti-hero, general interesting background character. And I think that's why the vampire is kind of here to stay. Exactly. I mean, we even have to give Twilight props because once Buffy was gone, we didn't, you know, it kind of disappeared. That whole, oh, vampires are cool. Now, while I don't consider the vampires in Twilight to actually be, you know, anything more than a sparkly snake, they did revive that. And you, you do see a lot of people who are like, oh, cool, let me go back and watch Buffy and see how they did it. Right, to nothing that Joss Whedon ever does is ever going to disappear. But alas, I digress. This is true. I will say the coolest thing, and I do thank Twilight for this, never thought I'd say that. It really made us vampire classicalists go back and rewatch a lot of the great vampire classics. I know I was definitely hungering for Lissade after seeing Edward Cullen. Now, don't think that we forgot about other depictions. We do have plenty of vampires that pop up in video games, anime, all that other kind of stuff, but those are so varied and interesting. They really might need their own kind of show. Just because, again, vampire lore is so expansive and so crazy, and everyone really, really does it differently. And it just doesn't seem fair quite yet to jumble all those together. Because, don't get me wrong, I'd love to spend several minutes talking about Castlevania and Helsing and all those other things, but I think that's going to have to wait for now, guys, so... Please, you know, stay tuned. That might be something that's definitely on the horizon. Oh, definitely. I mean, we didn't even touch on Count Chocula and the Count, you know, the sillier versions of it. And then the more, the more serious versions, like you said, Dracula and Castlevania, you know, rain and blood rain. So we will definitely touch on it at another point. Don't ever think that we're done at the end of a show. Absolutely. But we totally had to touch on vampires just because... It is Halloween, and besides, as if I ever need an excuse to gush about Lasat. By the way, if you are looking for an interesting piece of trivia, apparently Anne Rice based Lasat on her husband, which I'm not entirely sure if that's a good thing or not. I'll wait for Anne's reps to get back with me on that one. 
<laughs> now, before we end the show, let's give a little announcement. The day before Halloween, we'll be, we will be doing another special as far as you know the creepy and all that. We will actually be touching the amazing topic of zombies. And I have to say, I have loved zombies since I was a kid. Oh my gosh. I mean, zombie lore is something that I absolutely love, and I'm pretty stoked for it. So for that, we're going to do something a little bit different, guys. Stay tuned to most of our social media pages, which you should have links, but we'll totes provide them again. And we really want to start answering some of your questions, because here's the funny thing about lore and mythos. There's multiple answers. So if there's ever a question that you guys have about zombies that you can definitely pose to, I'm going to go ahead and call us experts. We're experts, right? Without degrees, yes. Totes for (laughs) sure. If you ever wanted to just join the conversation, here's your chance. And we'll be doing actually something that's very, very similar to a live tweet. We want to answer your questions, your comments, pretty much anything that comes down to the world of the zombie. Which I'm super, super, super excited for, guys. So just keep in mind, vampire myth is growing, changing, and evolving. Actually, I'm more interested to see where the vampire goes from where the vampire has been. We know where he's been, and it's a fantastic history. And if you're ever curious, feel free to hit us up. I'm more than welcome to share some resources with you guys. I've done way too many papers on vampirism and stuff like that. More than probably healthy. So I'd love to share any kind of information I have and just generally have the discussion because it's way fun. I know, Taylor, you feel the exact same. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm going to be honest. When we, she suggested this show, I was like, wait, I don't really know vampires. So this has kind of been a learning experience for me. So I would definitely love to see some tweets from you guys. Even if I don't answer them, I'd love to see what a man has to say on it. And again, like we say in every show, we are at no point right in what we say. This is just what we've researched, what we've come up with. If you think we're wrong and you have something else to say, please send us a tweet. But Obviously, get your megaphone and start yelling at us. Just do it in a cordial manner, and we'll definitely get back to you. Absolutely. This is definitely time to channel your inner vampire. We can all communicate with sophistication, grace, and talent, while still, again, if I'm allowed, bearing your fangs. Two. Still, that's a low number for a show. You know, I'm just so in awe with the vampire and all that they do. I mean, this really speaks from a very, very soft spot in my heart, guys, so... You'll have to pardon a little bit of fangirling. It means a lot to me. So the conversation's always continuing, and I hope you enjoyed our little foray into vampire lore. So keep the questions coming, and thanks for listening again. So signing off, this is Amanda. And this is Taylor. Have a great night, guys.